to Call That Girl's Remote Support Show. I'm Lisa Hendrickson, your hostess, and this is show number 11. Moving forward, all recorded shows can be found on the Podnuts Network at podnuts.com. And moving ahead, hopefully, on my YouTube channel, slash Call That Girl. You can also follow me here on Ustream. And eventually, when I have a schedule set up, you can check it out at remoterockstars.com. Remote Rockstars is where... All of my ebooks are uh, updated, and uh, there's a question answer forum for those that have bought the books. All right, well, welcome to my first live show. It looks like I've got quite a few people in the chat. 19. Super excited, you guys. Thank you for coming on and helping me. I am doing a live show in um, Phoenix at the CompTIA conference, sponsored by Instant House Call. And I'll be doing a show with Bryce from Technible, and uh, Mike Smith and Carrie Holzman are also going to be doing a tech vet show as well so i'll try to get some notes out into the Podnut show so you guys can pay attention and check that out as well uh and also wanted to remind everybody that my last show the one on seo it was really i think a popular one so if you have a computer repair business and you know do have a web excuse me a wordpress website doing seo for yourself is really easy if you just know how to do a few you know simple Simple little tricks, I call it, you know, blogging and tagging. So if you have your own computer repair business and you have WordPress, go check out show number 10, and it'll kind of give you some instructions on how to do it. And there's also a thread at technible.com. It's in the SEO forums, new to SEO it's called. Check that out as well. Some good tips. So welcome to my first show, and welcome to my world. I do a lot of remote support, 100% remote support. In fact, I turn down quite a bit of on-site and if I personally can't do it you know I send out a tech that I have as a referral but I just refuse all on-site work now it's not a value to me so let's get going all killer no filler right that's what we do here so let's start with uh, the review of my jobs from last week and as the chatters have been saying here I do a lot of office 365 work and that is no joke folks there is a lot of office 365 coming our way and I'm not even kidding. Here's what I was telling someone the other day. If you could put Office 365 into like a human body concept, we are in the, the baby phase, like baby before it's even born phase with Office 365. In the next two years, there's going to be so much growth and expansion on this that if you don't have the basic knowledge of setting it up, administrating it, um, you know, just knowing the basics of it, you're probably going to get left behind because... This thing is only going to grow and grow and grow. And the stuff that's coming my way is just incredible. And it's really making me have to learn, well, kind of push myself to have to learn a lot more. It's just a lot. And every day I'm like, wow, this is just not ending. And I'm personally getting interested. Like, I want to learn more too. And not only that is because I learn more to give more value to my clients, but so I can also maybe end up charging more one day or just expanding, you know, my knowledge to help more people. So let's start with um, a couple things about Office 365 to get started. <laughs> is Mark, excuse me, Microsoft's marketing is so confusing that I hate to say this, but this is a goldmine for technicians. Okay, their marketing—they've got it in different platforms across the web, and people are buying it and trying to implement it themselves and getting lost, and they don't know what they're doing. And a lot of the client calls I get are, well, I bought it, and it doesn't work. I bought it, and now it's messed up. 
I bought it and Microsoft is holding my domain hostage. That was my call yesterday. And there's just so many factors that come into play. People are buying the wrong products. They're, they're not knowing how to do their own exchange migrations. And it's really, there's really no self-explanatory, like, document out there for an end user. So they end up getting, um, you know, confused and then they have a hot mess. And let's just not even throw into the mess that they were using iCloud, which is horrifying. <laughs> they all got on the board with the iCloud. So now they have an iCloud calendar contacts and uh, an exchange that's broken and, and popper IMAP that is barely working. So these are some basic things that every tech should know how to fix, at least at a basic level. And that's just the start of Office 365. <laughs> that's not even getting to the, the meat of it all. That's just the email portion. But the call I got on Friday was interesting. The guy said, um, uh, I want to call you after lunch. And I had to reschedule, so I was like, cool, you know, what's going on? And uh, the guy goes, I'm in a hot mess. Like, I've got a lot of problems. I've been working on this for a week, and I can't fix it, and GoDaddy can't fix it, and Microsoft can't fix it. He goes, can you fix it? And I said, yes, I will fix it. Because come heck or high water, I'm going to figure that out because that is a learning opportunity for me to figure out what is the disconnect between GoDaddy and Microsoft that neither one of them can fix it. So it turns out that he had bought Office 365 trial with Microsoft and he didn't get to the DNS verification level. There was a glitch or something. And so GoDaddy, so he said, okay, forget that. I'm going to go to GoDaddy's Office 365, which, <laughs> oh God, never go to GoDaddy for Office, please. Well, anyway, luckily I happened to get a tech that was kind of, in, you know, interested in helping us with this, and unlike their usual tech support people who don't want to help. He, um, he said, well, you have to call Microsoft and get the domain released. And I said, okay. So, all right, I'll call Microsoft. And, I, you know, I try not to call Microsoft ever, but I did. And only, only took about 40 minutes or so for us to figure out that we can release our own domain, but it was kind of stuck, like in some verification loop. And we eventually got it released, and then we could go back to GoDaddy's, Office 365, log in, create the account, and because he had his domain on GoDaddy, it was kind of a, I have to give them a little props. Their instant uh, DNS updates and everything was pretty slick, and the account was made in like five minutes. So I'll give them props there. You know, usually there's a delay, but since it's on their own server, it was probably set up really nice. So um, anyway, that job, you know, I got it fixed, and I was remoted into the guy's computer, and he had a IMAP up on Outlook 2013. Well, here's a tip. Outlook th 2013 is really nice, but the problem is with IMAP, it filters all the mail. <laughs> so if you go to export it, it filters zero until you go and clear the filter. And then all of a sudden, all the email shows up. So it worked fine in the import. But this morning he calls me and says, well, none of, none of my emails are there. So yet again, because of just this new Outlook 2013, we had to go and fix that. But anyway, that was a $300 job <laughs> in the afternoon. And it wasn't horrifying. I got to learn a little bit about the GoDaddy's experience, which you might get from your clients that, you know, call in and said, well, I already did part of it. And it's our job to step in and help them and get things taken care of. And uh, it's not always easy to, diff or excuse me, it's not always easy to work with Microsoft if you don't know the you know, the, the content, the verbiage that they use. And that's where clients get kind of hosed up. Okay, so that was yesterday's drama. And that was the first of Office 365s. I've had many, many more. 
but that's why uh, it's very important everybody gets to know it just a little bit. Now, a nice thing about Office 365 that I'm going to tell you guys is once you kind of get the basic knowledge down, I won um, an eight-hour ticket from a client that just said, look, we're, we bought it, and we don't know what we're doing, and they didn't even know about Exchange, and I think people are buying the hype. You know, they're just buying into it. So they bought uh, 12 full premium seats at $15 each and weren't using it. So basically I said, you know, look, you need to buy my support ticket and then let's figure it out and go through and make, you know, consulting appointments to get you guys in order. We just finished up finally. We got up. Their exchange was fine. Their SharePoint was the mess. And so SharePoint as part of Office 365 is really easy to set up and implement, but there's little snags here and there. And uh, permissions was my big snag this week. And, you know, as a basic, you know, break-fix company, there's really not a lot of permissions we have to deal with. Permissions are more for corporate, you know, server folks, you know, with Active Directory and whatnot. But it's coming into our world here, so that's another thing. And I do have a video on YouTube about how to uh, check out a map SharePoint, if anybody has interest in checking that out. But anyway, that was a nice win, the eight-hour ticket. And then... I think that was maybe it on my Office 365. Um, next up here is I had a client. Now, I'm not too familiar with Windows 8 troubleshooting and remote. I do know that when I remote into a Windows 8 computer and it doesn't have the shortcut Windows 7 start menu, I immediately install it if, with the permission of the client because it's just so difficult to work with it, those floating apps. But anyway, this client somehow had logged into his computer with the wrong Gmail account. Now, I, I'm not even sure how this happened. And I didn't do all the repairs. Chris, my uh, tech from um, RSTT, assisted on this. But I'm telling everybody about it so you're aware of it. Is that when clients create... Um, one second. Uh, when a client creates an account on their computer, as I'm sure we've all figured out at this point, you have a local account or you can get an online Microsoft account. And the online Microsoft account is really... Um, for people that want to use all the online apps together, you know, make everything kind of sync and flow. Otherwise, I just set people up on local accounts. Well, not exactly sure what happened to this fella, but he got locked out of his account and Microsoft was like, we don't even know who you are. And Chris had called Microsoft a few times just to figure it out. Turns out that we had to send a tech on site to do a Windows PE environment disk install so we kept all of his settings and all of his data and everything perfect and it unlocked the account and you know we had uh, the on-site tech it was about an hour and 15 minute job and so with Chris's help it was like a two hour and 25 a two hour and 15 minute job you know not everything was done remotely but can't always, everything can't be remote you know and then I actually got to troubleshoot for about an hour of a router issue, which, you know, if you have a store or if you do on-site support calls and you're like, I really don't want to drive out to fix that, and you have a, you know, a client who's tolerant and can do things themselves, <laughs> now, you might make more money going out there, but I actually talked to, you know, a senior citizen through a router fix, and um, what he had done was called Comcast, and they said, your router's dead, and I said, you know, I don't trust Comcast, period, um, client. And when they say your router's dead, I think they just don't know how to fix it. He goes, well, I'm willing to have you troubleshoot it versus me go buying a new router and spending that time because it wasn't very old. And I said, fine. So 
my tips for troubleshooting remotely when people have internet problems or um, a, you know ro router or modem issue is before calling Comcast of course is to unplug the modem for one minute and you unplug the modem and you let it get a full reset with the, the ISP get it back online make sure everything's blinking at that point if things aren't blinking of course then there's a modem problem right okay then I move them to the router level and I have them unplug the router for 10 seconds leave everything plugged in as is just unplug the router for 10 plug it back in look for the blinky lights if everything's blinking <laughs> sorry guys <laughs> oh I'm so sorry anyway uh, to those that are listening I have a, the chatters on the Ustream that are just talking about some stuff so um, anyway the problem was that this Comcast person had had him reconfigure all the cords on his router to, to go right to the computer to test the modem which I'm sure that's their job you know but you know you're dealing with a senior citizen who really you know understands just telling them to do stuff they do but anyway so I got uh, I got him to connect the modem to the router to his computer I got it all online I know that they were talking because I consider it like a train and um, I connected to the computer then <laughs> I couldn't log into his router and you know how you do the um, Netgear you know password checks and all the, the standard defaults I finally got in I reset the the routers password he was online good to go and that was an hour job so it's kind of like weird I haven't done like tech support jobs in quite a while and I'm like going dang it was like kind of felt refreshing to kind of you know keep my uh, my tech skills up just a little bit make sure I'm still in my game because you know even though I do the majority of my work is you know application support office outlook you know I sometimes have to troubleshoot that stuff even when I'm you know doing other calls so it's good to do that but that but the tip of that job was to do modem router computer and I do quite a bit of repairs that way just by free advice to people okay what are we at for time here let me go look I'll make sure I'm okay here all right um had a nice sale out of the blue one day guy called and said we want four of your daily monitoring plans and a 16-hour ticket I was like hello two thousand dollars thank you that was really nice um, I think I've learned with offering bigger tickets and nicer packages people are buying them I've, I've sold some smaller ones but not you know that big but that was my biggest just off the you know right of the blue he came from a referral of course so it wasn't like he just found me on the internet but um, I really enjoyed that you know the the referral from his friend built the trust enough that he could go and do that and to know that we're gonna support him and and his uh, needs the 16-hour ticket I have no idea he just said that he had a lot of stuff coming up and he just wanted tech support and and after a couple short calls I was like that's so nice you know that's why I like having these services and bigger opportunities available so if you're just starting out with remote you know you don't have to offer a 16-hour ticket start with a two-hour ticket that's a little bit better can get people used to it and uh, you can eventually start going up all right I'm gonna check my chat real quick here okay moving ahead we did get a call for the FBI virus and it uh, I don't really hear about the FBI virus so much anymore honestly but the FBI virus Chris took the call he got in cleaned it up got he didn't even have it encrypted everything was fine 58 people at the hotel the client was at got affected I'm like what the heck happened there 
it must have been a network spread virus, you know. And I'm like surprised, like 58 people of the hotel. I'm gonna guess it was small. If it was bigger, it would have got a little more. Um, probably more people hit with it, and it probably was like late in the evening when not many people were on, or in the morning, whatever. But that was kind of neat that we did the whole thing remotely. And I, and you know, back in the day, the virus, the FBI virus was so tough, I couldn't do them remotely. And it's nice to see that that it's not being so you know encryption right away and making people pay ransoms. I don't think the FBI one did. Anyway, okay. And to close up here, let's see. Malware bites still causing me headaches. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, that was 58 guests in the hotel. All got the FBI virus too. Chat room. Um, I, I'm not trying to complain about malware bites, but I, I know in the last couple shows I have, and I'm starting to get really annoyed. I'm having just so many people with update problems, and it won't update itself. And I'm like, can't you guys fix your software? I mean, I've sold this program to so many people. I don't mind the support and helping them, but sometimes it won't update even after you redownload it and do their fixes. And I'm just like, it's like I get probably about at least one a day. That's my average. And some days I might get three, and then some days none. But I know I'm sending out that link for the download to a lot of people. It's just getting really, really kind of just enough for me. Um, I really wish they'd fix their software. They have a good product. You know, I know a lot of us out there, you know, like malware bites. But, uh, and, and luckily, it's not something they have to come into a shop to fix. Oh, thank goodness. Anyway, moving on. That was my uh, updates for the week. And we're going to get moving on with the rest of the show here. Uh, if you have bought my ebooks, I put out a little request to everybody to see if you would be so kind and give me a review for my website and for my Amazon link. I've been trying to, uh, you know, stir up some more interest on Amazon and through the website and any referrals or, excuse me, any reviews are helpful. Thank you. Now, I'm going to do uh, a fan uh, question here who sent in some things, um, not some things, some questions rather, sorry. And some of it's going to flow in with the topic today. Excuse me. Um, one of the questions was, what if my remote support tools don't work? What happens then? Well, you know what can happen is anything can break, you know, but it's always good to have a reserve, okay? So, um, like for folks that buy, I think, what is it, Screen Connect and um, other, you know, other tools like that, you know, I, I don't know all the, it's funny, I'm a remote support specialist and I don't know all the tools because I'm kind of like married to Log Me and Rescue and uh, my backup is Instant House Call, which I've always said publicly, you know, it's a good tool, it's just not one I use myself every day, but uh, Chris from the RS tech team does use it every day and so he's kind of my backup. See, I rely on remote support. I have to have a backup software. And Chris is my backup, so he has that. So sometimes I can use his or vice versa. So one of the questions was, was you know, what if my tools don't work? Well, Instant House Call offers a free version. So you can go there, download it, and use it for free. Uh, I believe there's some limitations, though. But, you know, go ahead and email uh, support or Corey, and they will, you know, help you set it up. And, and, and you know, it might become your favorite at that point. <laughs> you just want to use it all the time. But, um that's what I do, and it's really rare if Chris or I can't take a job or whatever, but, you know, remote support is my life. I have two iPhones, uh, just in case. I have two computers, just in case. I have two internet options, mine and my neighbor's. So I have to be online because it's my bread and butter. So, 
you know, thinking reserves, I've got two of everything. <laughs> um, next question was, do you think it's realistic to envision us as remote techs to earn $100,000 per year? That would be after expenses and taxes. Yes, I think it's possible, and that is my goal this year. I'll be 100% honest. I want to bring home 100 grand this year after taxes. So <laughs> go ahead and laugh, but if you don't set a high goal, how are you ever going to make the goal happen, right? So I've been doing this seven years, and I'm finally fine-tuning my, my trade, my sales, my skills, my people I work with. I've really kind of got it down to where I'm like, okay, I'm ready to get to that level. And, you know, I'd love to see that. That'd make me super happy to <laughs> bring that home after taxes. But <laughs> aim high is right. That's right. So um, anyway, for someone just starting out, you might want to make a smaller goal. You know, like pretend you're making $30,000 at a corporate job and you're like, well, I'm going to start on my own. I want to make 15000 to start. Have goals, set them, and make sure they happen, even if it's just weekly, quarterly, or yearly. So that was the financial question that I thought, you know, maybe it's time to start talking numbers with you guys, you know. I mean, I'm okay with sharing. It's all right. I'd like to make that 100 grand. All right. Next up was a question that this one kind of blends in with the topic, but not really. <laughs> Sorry, higher. That's cute. So, um... Someone wrote in and said, I'm interested in your book, but specifically, does it go over what accounting software, CRM, or customer management software to use, or computer repair management type software for phone systems, remote access software, automating the business as much as possible? Now, it's kind of a fully loaded question. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure I can answer all of it, but I will tell you that every business and every technician has their own way of managing things. And, you know, I'll be honest, when I... Um, when I started, I used an Excel spreadsheet for almost all of my workload. In fact, I still use that same spreadsheet every day. I have like 6,000 lines of information, and I have it backed up double time, but that trumps over my ticket system, believe it or not. And I have a reason for it. It's because I stay with what works. I contain the data for my clients. I don't trust my data being in one hand, but I like using other hands to help manage the data. That makes sense. So I do use mHelpDesk for my uh, ticket system, which I input the, um, <laughs> I do put in my, uh, excuse me, I do put in my client's information into the ticket system. I put in payments. I put in the documentation, their ticket system or their ticket, you know, from the job I did. I manage all the reoccurring invoices. I mean, it's my management system for everything I do. And I don't use QuickBooks with it. I have a bookkeeper that does all my bookkeeping. Um, now that I have a real simple system, I just hire her to just do the QuickBooks part and take care of, like, here's how much to pay and taxes, Lisa, and I just do that. Um, the other question, let's see. Uh, I don't also have a CRM system because I don't really... You know, I'll be honest with you, I've got the ticket system, which has all my clients' information in it. My email is my CRM system. I don't delete an email. I just have it all organized. So if I ever need to look up something, that's my database. My Outlook is my database. And I also have Constant Contact. <laughs> awesome. I also have Constant Contact that manages all my email and social media stuff. So honestly, I think you just have to kind of figure out what works for you. Excel is my... I live and breathe out of Excel, 
and then I use M Help Desk, I use Constant Contact, and I use Outlook. And I don't really think I would be in a better position if I moved it to all like Salesforce because honestly, I don't do any outbound sales. I don't do any project management like that. All my projects are very quick and just very done in like four hours. There's very few that I need to manage. So here's what I tell people is keep it simple. Do not get yourself into a very heavy um, system. Keep systems simple and it'll be easier to get your work done, okay? So just keep the flow going. Uh, someone just asked in the chat, is GFI Max the same as RS Tech Team? Um, RS Tech Team is a company like mine that's owned by Chris Crothers. He's my uh, partner of managing the GFI and my SOS online backup. He uses GFI to do the daily monitoring plan, which I call the DMP. Sorry uh, to the podcast downloaders there. I had to do a chat question on the on the chatters real quick. Okay, then I uh, think we're going to close up that part of the show. I have a couple promos here. I think a few people in the chat are going to be going to um, Phoenix. Is that true, chatters? I don't know if this show will be up by then, but I'm very excited to get there. So remember that there's going to be a live show if you want to participate. And also, um, if you are an Android person or an Android lover, I guess, just don't forget that there is a daily Android app show uh, hosted by the Podnuts Network. You can download it every day. You're missing out if you don't check it out. And you can go to podnuts.com slash AAA and subscribe to the feed today. Okay. I need a water break. Hold on. All right, folks. We are at the 27-minute mark here. Uh, my first live remote support show. Chatters, you got anything to say? Any feedback for me so far? Chat, chat, chat. 27 viewers. Yippee. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I'm just going to move ahead with the show. So there's a few things that people have asked, which is kind of like an operations question, you know, like more operations of a remote support business. What is it really like to run a remote support company? And, you know, it's it's different. It's not like you have a shop where people come in and talk for, you know, the 20 minutes about a jack that needs to be replaced, you know. Your focus in a store or at someone's house is more based on the sale and you're talking to the client and you, you know, you um, you want to get their work. You want to win them, right, or finish their job. Well, with remote support, I've learned there's a few things that if someone really wants to get good at it and be a player in the game, is you have to learn how to take in calls, of course, and make it most efficient for you and your time. And what's funny is years ago when I worked at help desks, you know, they had uh, time cues, I think they called it, where they would say you have to be off the call in eight minutes or less. You know, if anybody, um, and, uh, excuse me, you know, like they say your troubleshooting calls need to be 18 minutes or less, or, you know, they just time everything because it's down to money with what they're paying you. Well, for me, when I book appointments, I kind of think in the same manner now, and um, I just don't, um, I just kind of think of booking appointments like this needs to be done in eight minutes. Like, I'm not kidding, because I've got time. I used to spend a half hour <laughs> back in the day booking a 15-minute appointment because I let the clients go on and on and on about their problems or sometimes they'd even try to have me fix them during the booking. And I just got really proficient with this, which is kind of like a checklist of sorts. And if you buy my remote support book, you get the checklist in there. But um, what I'm just saying is, you know, when you take in a call, you get the information, you book the appointment and get it down to where you're not, you know, losing time. 
and get the, the most information as possible, of course, and don't let the client stray to getting it fixed for free or moving to they're going to fix it themselves. And um, the thing is, you got to be good at that, good at the inbound sales. And really, if you're doing a good remote support business, outbound sales isn't really what I do. So um, anyway, so have good procedures, good questions, have better sales, and have your sales stuff in order so you can pitch it right away, and then you learn how to pitch it at the end too. Okay. Um, other things is if you have other people work for you, the one thing you have to learn is how to manage those remote support jobs, and that's really important. I learned that um, I learned that the 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 managing of the jobs is super important. One is you have to have all the information. You have to have just details, 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 because if you have people that work for you and they don't have the detail, they're going to come back and ask you for more details, and then you're like, I didn't ask the client, so then you have to go get more detail. So <laughs> I, it, for everybody that does different, you know, remote support work, it's up to you to figure it out. But that's just a tip because not only do you need the details, but you have a lot to manage. The email communications, the phone messages, the calendar, putting it into your CRM system or M help desk, whatever you use. And, um, and to me, it's just kind of like I've learned, you know, through all these years, wherever my failures were of managing my systems of sorts. So that moving ahead, the next one is email communications. And I got to be honest is that I do so much email all day with my clients that, and it's called call that girl, but it's really should be called email that girl because people love emailing me. And I love emailing back because I can do more things when I'm emailing, you know. Uh, if I'm in a, let's say, a job, and I can't help that person because I'm maybe moving mail or something for 20 minutes, you betcha I'm over on my Outlook, bing, 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 emailing and doing other stuff. You know, I don't waste a minute of my work day, never. So, so I try to think in proficiency. You know, how do I bill a client and do other things? But see, I don't bill the clients for moving mail unless it's part of a project. Does that make sense? Um, so the thing is, just keep on top of your things that you're doing and emailing is super important if you get into remote support because people sometimes they can't call they're in a conference call but they'll sit there and email you you know that makes sense um sorry i got my notes here mixed up just a little bit but uh, so email is very important and staying on top of what you're doing is extremely critical with remote support um you know someone just said in the tech in the chat about email and texting fast texting is super hot with me right now People are loving it. They've actually texted me. Um, I haven't even talked to them on the phone. And they're texting me saying, hey, can you remote in? And I'm like going, who is this? <laughs> I don't have your name in my phone. So um, one, one second here. So anyway, the, um, uh, excuse me, I lost my train of thought here for one second. So um, stay on top again back. So the other thing is when you start doing a lot of remote support work, you do have, um, things like research that comes up and here's an example of research is the client on Friday I helped when I backed up his email to IMAP all of the email said filters on him well the filters were on every single folder and he had like 500 folders well I'm sorry the filter was on the emails in the folders and I'm like you know I have to look into this so that's another thing is my research list of things I have to do to learn to keep up with my trade and second of all when you tell a client I'm going to go look into that for you. You better put it on your list to call them back because guess what? They don't forget that you said you'd get back to them ever. <laughs> and all the years of me doing stuff, 
You say you're going to get back to someone, you better get back to them. Because if you don't, they will forget. And if you can't fix it, you should get back to them anyway and say, well, I couldn't figure that out, so I just wanted to let you know. And you know what? They're going to be very appreciative of it anyway. So um, moving ahead, the last thing I talked about was some good billing. You know, make sure you have a good billing system because I think M Help Desk also has a calendar plug-in as well, but I don't use the plug-in. I do all mine by myself. But they did, um, they did have one at one point that worked with Google Calendar, and I don't work with Google Calendar, period. <laughs> so, <laughs> no way. <laughs> Got out of that nightmare a while ago. All right, folks, that is show number 11 today. Uh, kind of whipped through that about my usual 35 minutes. I got a couple questions from chatters, so I'm going to answer those. Uh, Tony and Taz, yes, research is is the way to make a business run. I'll tell you that with our world. We have to stay on top of what's going to be fixed and what can't be and blah, blah, blah. Um, communication, super, super important. And, you know, I forgot one other story I was going to tell. I'll just throw this in as a little encore bonus featured story. Is... Um, you know, this Office 365 thing, this is why, it, this is a technical issue sometimes. Client calls and says, look, I keep getting the sign-on prompt or prompt. And, you know, with regular Outlook, we've all seen this. Even if you don't support Outlook, you've got the calls at least. People are like, yeah, it keeps asking for my password. And it keeps asking for my password. And uh, those are easy f fixes through credential management in Windows, okay? That's not a hard problem. So the client calls in, I remote it in, and I try to fix it that way because the Office 365 sign-in is in the vault. So I did removed it. I did remove it, rather. I rebooted. I signed in. But it wouldn't let me sign in. It let me put in the username, but then it froze up. Well, at that point, you know if something in Office doesn't work and it freezes, that's a tech issue with Windows or Office 365. Excuse me. The Office 2013 installation. And... uh Anyway, um, did a lot of research, a ton of it, ton of it. And finally, uh, Chris was helping me on this job, and I said, you know what, let's just try a new profile just for fun. And we even called Microsoft on it, too. And, of course, the new profile, it worked fine, right? So it could be come down to a few things. Uh, the new profile worked. The old profile didn't, so broken profile. And so the client really wasn't sure what was going on. So I called him up and I said, you know, Chris made you a new profile and he moved over some of your data. And I'm not sure if this is a good fix for you or not. Because the guy happens to have like 20 software programs that are very, very particular for his work. So <laughs> let's get down to it. Do you really want to set up a new profile for somebody that has 20 software programs all configured for certain aspects of their job just because a sign-on doesn't work? The math did not make any sense to me. The client was like, what? I got to redo all that? And I said, you know what? Let me look into this just a little bit more. So we took it from trying to fix it to researching it, calling Microsoft because it turned, you know, a lot of the fixes for that is uh, the graphics hardware accelerator thing or it's a graphics card issue, whatever. And, um, you know what, just for fun, I just didn't, it just like, I don't know how it even came to my head. I was like, you know what, let's go log into Microsoft Word through the account of Office 2013. And what do you know? It logged in fine. He stayed logged in, logged in in Outlook. Excel had stayed in. I rebooted the computer, came up. He was still logged in. 
I'm like, I didn't even do anything except log in through Word instead of Outlook. Now, can you believe that? That's crazy. And the only thing I could tell the client was is that Outlook is such a huge, I mean, it's very just a huge, robust program that has way more bells and whistles that's actually used, I think, than a day-to-day person uses in Word. You know, if you compare the two, like Outlook is like a huge semi compared to Word. People in Word just type up documents, usually format, I mean, the basic person, but... I don't know, this guy had a lot going on with his Outlook. So I can see that causing a problem. So the fix was just logging into the Word account, which I just couldn't believe that. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, folks, that is the show. I appreciate everybody um, p- participating, and I'm going to close out here soon. I did have one final question. How have you tried marketing the DMP that has not really worked? Well, the DMP, the daily monitoring plan, I only market to people calling in. I don't market outbound that. I did try it once in a newsletter. No one bought it. So I think your 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 goal is to just um, sell it to inbound calls with virus removals. That's a snap. Most of my virus removal people buy it easy. Tune up people sometimes. But the people that buy it just off without any problems, they're the business clients that just want added value protection. Thank you, PC Freddy. I felt this was a good show. My first one. <laughs> I was so excited. I wasn't even nervous like I thought I would be. So, all right, gang, I'm going to stop the broadcast here. Thank you, everybody, for participating. You can go ahead and uh, follow me on Twitter at callthatgirl. You can email me at lisa at podnuts.com or lisa at callthatgirl.biz. If you're interested in buying my remote support book, you can go to callthatgirl.biz slash publications. And uh, that's it this week, folks. Take care.